Again, glad to be here to share the Word. I know we all love the Word. And please turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Romans, chapter 5. We're going to read verses uh, 1 through 5. Being a brand new year, I'm uh, kind of excited about the prospects of what is ahead for us in this year. I know there's a lot of crazy predictions out there about the end of the world and all kinds of other things. And, uh, you know, I, Lord only knows what's really going to happen this year. But, but whatever it is, whatever it is, I'm going to enjoy it <laughs> because life is good and every minute of life is good. And we thank God for the life that he's given us, the opportunities. We know that all things, good, bad, and indifferent, work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purposes. And I'm here to tell you today that, I, that this whole experience I've been through has kind of altered my attitude about life a little bit. In fact, I think I was going through a period where my attitude was getting kind of like uh, Lazarus when he'd been in the grave for four days. It stinketh. And uh, it, it's just so easy to fall into that and your attitude to be negative and down and so forth. And I, the Lord's been really working me over. He sent a really good book my way um, by John Maxwell. It's called Attitude 101. And if you've never read it, I recommend it to you. Excellent book, small book, uh, easy read, but packed with really good stuff. A friend of mine gave it to me. I read it three times, and then uh, we did like a six-month study on it. it it's, it's just awesome. And uh, I was reminded of that just here in the last few weeks when I read a, an article by Charles Swindoll in which he says, the longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude to me is more important than facts, than the past, than education, than money, than circumstances, than failures, than successes, than what other people think or say or do, than appearances, than giftedness or skill. Attitude will make or break a person, a company, a church, or a family. The remarkable thing is that we have a choice every day regarding the attitude that we embrace. We cannot change our past. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play on the one thing that we have, and that is our attitude. I'm convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% of how I react to it. I believe that. That is a powerful statement. I was, I was reading in Proverbs uh, chapter 23 and verse 7, and a scripture that I've used in a lot of ways for a lot of things took on a whole new meaning for me. It, it simply says, and this, of course, we know is written by Solomon, the wisest king that ever lived, and, and uh, the Bible says that. And uh, he says, he says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And I believe with all my heart that that's talking about our attitude. Our attitude, I've come to the conclusion, is like a, a, a little reflection of our faith. Faith is important. Faith in God. Faith in, in good. Faith in, in ourselves. Faith in others. And I'm going to talk about those things here a little bit today. Again, as we're heading into the new year, I believe that one thing that we can positively do, again, I don't know, 
I'm not here to make predictions about the uh, uh, elections this year or, in fact, I wish I could avoid this whole thing, (laughs) turning on the TV and seeing all the uh, election nonsense that goes on. Uh, I'm going to vote my conscience. I'll vote for somebody that, uh, that I believe shares my values. But I guarantee you this, no matter who gets elected, our God still reigns. He's still on the throne. He can use a good one. He can use a bad one. I promise you that. He's done it many, many times. But I believe that our attitude towards many things this year is going to be one of the biggest deciders of what this year 2012 is going to be like for you and I, for our churches and for our community. Attitude is going to have a big, big role in all of it. And I was sitting and reading uh, Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 1, and I was reading that, and I saw some things that you would think would would be there that are not there, and some things that are there that maybe wouldn't be there in a normal dialogue. And and I come to, to realize this uh, person, of course, we know it's Apostle Paul, is writing, has an extremely good attitude. And it's reflected in the words that he says. Beginning in verse 1, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Father, I thank you for your word today and let it just come alive in our hearts and minds, Lord. Help us to be able to to, uh, have the proper attitude as we head into this brand new year, Lord. There's so many things that are going to happen. Some are going to be really good. Some will probably be really bad and a whole lot of stuff in between. And Lord, this is a year that we can be happy or sad. This is a year that we can be successful or unsuccessful. Lord, this is a year where a lot of good things can happen, but a lot of it depends on how we embrace life and all that's going to happen to us in this life. Bless your word to us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'd like to look at four particular attitudes, and there's, again, a whole lot could be said on the subject, but I'm going to skip to what I feel the Lord would have me say today, and and the first thing is our attitude about ourselves. I think it's important, very, very important for born-again believers to have a good attitude toward yourself, and I know that uh, attitudes like dealing with our carnal nature or the subject of humility and things of that nature can kind of take us down a path that sometimes leads to things that it's not supposed to. I want to tell you today that every one of us here were born and created in the image of God. And God doesn't make junk. God created you and you are wonderfully and marvelously made. 
Sometimes we get to looking at ourselves and we make the mistake of comparing ourselves to others and, oh, well, gee, I can't do what they do or I don't have what they have and I this, I've messed that up, I've made this mistake. And you can kind of get down on yourself and, and, and somehow we pass that off as humility. I'm going to stand up here and just kind of humble myself and all that sort of thing. And, and you know, that's not real humility. God isn't pleased when we beat ourselves up. Jesus said something really important when he said, love your neighbor as yourself. It's very important to understand that not only should we love our neighbor, but we should love ourselves. He doesn't say love your neighbor and hate yourself. He says love your neighbor as yourself. Sometimes that's hard to do. We're afraid, oh, well, I'm just coddling myself or babying myself or what have you. And I, again, I understand the concept of the carnal nature. The Apostle Paul, the same guy who wrote these words, said that, that he had to die daily. And, and I agree with that. The carnal nature is there and we have to deal with it. But I'm not all bad. <laughs> and you're not all bad. God gave us some very special giftings. Satan wants to beat us up and tell us that we're not anybody important and God doesn't care and all the rest and remind us of all of our mistakes and so forth. God wants us to know that we're the apple of his eye. He loves us. He created us. He gave us all very special giftings and talents and he wants us to be free to use those things. When people don't believe in themselves, they don't do a whole lot. They don't accomplish a whole lot. We need to take life by the horns and know that like the same guy who wrote this, the Apostle Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's not a big ego. That's not a, a pride thing. That is, that's just the facts. God created us wonderfully and we have the ability to do some amazing things. But I'll promise you that this year there's going to be a lot of people who aren't going to sing the song that God gave them to sing because they're just afraid they can't do it. There's going to be sermons that weren't preached. So there will be lessons that won't be taught. There'll be neighbors and fellow co-workers that weren't witnessed to and a whole lot of other things that should have gone on that would have accomplished a lot for the kingdom of God if people only believed enough in themselves and, again, who they are in Christ to know that they can do these things. We need to have a healthy self-image. And God in his word gives us that. And he wants us to embrace that. He wants to know how important we are to him and how much he loves us. The second attitude I'd like to talk about today is our attitude toward others. Once again, there's a lot of bad attitudes out there about people. It could be attitudes about people who aren't like you. It could be attitudes of, of, uh, just not trusting people, like the, the old, uh, uh, Amish guy said, he said, honey, I'll tell you what. He said, I just don't know if I can trust anybody in this whole world except me and thee. He said, and sometimes I wonder about thee. Sometimes we get a cynical attitude. I remember years ago, I was pastoring up in Canton, and we had purchased some property next to the church, and we were uh, 
what we wanted for more than anything was just to get out on the corner because there was a big main street out there and our church is way up a little side street and I don't think too many people knew we were up there. We wanted to put a nice big sign out on that corner and be able to put a message of scripture and so forth out there so that the world would know we were there. And we had just bought that property and and uh, my office in the church, the window looked right out on that property. And, and I mean, we didn't own it a week. And I'm sitting in my office. All of a sudden, I hear a lot of noise outside. I look, and it looked like about 30 or 40 kids all came on to our new lot that we had all mowed and trimmed and made look real nice and all that stuff because it used to be just an open field. And, and they were out there playing football. My first thought was, oh, no, you don't. Not on our lot. You're going to tear it all up and throw candy wrappers everywhere. And I started charging for the door. And I'm telling you what, the Holy Spirit just stopped me in my tracks and said, think about what you're going to do here. I love them kids. That's my kingdom out there playing on your property. I stopped, I thought about it, I prayed about it, and all my resentment to these trespassers kind of flew out the window. And and then I went out there and I said, and when they saw me coming, they knew it was trouble, and so they started grabbing their stuff and starting to run. I said, no, no, wait a minute, guys, come here. I gathered them together and I said, I want you to know something. I said, you're welcome to come and play football on our property. You have a place that you can come, but I also want to ask you if you would just... Don't tear things up. And when you leave, look around. If you see some trash laying around, pick it up, whether it's yours or not. And I said, you'll have a place to play. And I said, I also want you to know, we have some great youth programs in this church. Wednesday night, we got a boys club and a girls club. Sunday night, we have a youth group that meets. And you're all welcome, and I hope you come. And you know what? We wound up having a good relationship with those kids. And some of them did come to church. That's what it's about, folks. It's how you view people. People people aren't a distraction. People aren't a problem. I got a new neighbor that just moved in and I'm I'm you know, I'm eyeballing him and he's eyeballing me and we're checking each other out to see, you know, what you know, he wants to know if he's got a good neighbor. I want to know if I got a good neighbor. That's that's what we do. But don't matter how I see him, God sees that man. God loves that man, and God died for that man and his whole family. And that's the way I have to see that man. I don't care what he does. I don't care if he throws beer cans in my yard or what he, what kind of problems he gives me. God loves that man and sees the good in that man. I was reading, get which scripture it is. I know it's in one of the Gospels. I was reading about Jesus when he was heading one place, and all of a sudden, some guy interrupts him. He runs up to him, and he says, Jesus... Jesus, my daughter is dying, and I I would love for you to come and pray for her right now. And so Jesus stopped going where he was going and turned around and followed this guy to go pray for his daughter who was dying. And and at the same time, some woman come up from behind him and thinking to herself, man, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I know I'll be healed. And so she presses in, and she touches that garment. And she was healed, and... Jesus felt grace leave from him and go into her, and so he stopped. Again, he's interrupted. Who touched me? You know the stories. You've read it. One time I was reading that, and I was thinking, you know, that's the way life is. You know, we're always being interrupted. You know, 
I, I got plans today, and all of a sudden the phone rings, and my plans just completely change. You know, somebody's had a death in the family. There's a, an illness, somebody in the hospital. How dare they do that on my day off? Another interruption. But you know what? I don't believe that Jesus saw any of those things as an interruption. In fact, I believe that every one of them were divine appointments. In fact, I'm going to take it a step further. Sometimes I think God put some really big rascals right in our path on purpose, not just so we can help them, but so that they can help us. When I had that heart attack, I was in the hospital and the second day, they brought a man into the room that was, a, you know, a room that had two people on. They brought this guy in, and uh, boy, you talk about a character. He was a wild and woolly one. And I felt disturbed <laughs> that he was in my room. The more I laid there, the more I prayed, I thought, well, you know what? God probably put that man in here so I could help him. You know, I could pray for him, talk to him. Invite him to church. And funny thing about that little curtain between the beds, you know, it really doesn't stop sound. Not at all. And so I hear him over there making his phone calls and uh, talking to the people, the social workers and doctors that came in to meet with him and so forth. And I learned a really sad story. I learned that he had cancer. I learned that he was dying. I learned that he was an alcoholic. I learned that his whole family and everybody had turned their back on him. I heard him calling people and talking to answer machines, begging them, please pick up. I need somebody. And they wouldn't pick up. And as I listened to what was going on over there, and I became just a little more compassionate toward the situation, I started praying for him and eventually told him I was a minister, told him I'd be glad to talk with him, pray with him, that sort of thing. And uh, I begin to think maybe, just maybe, I wasn't there for him, but maybe, at least to a degree, he was there for me. Because I had this wild experience, all of a sudden I began to realize, but for the grace of God, that's me over there in that bed. As it is, I have a family who loves me. I I'm not a drug addict or an alcoholic anymore. I'm, I'm a changed man in a lot of ways in my life. I'm sure it would have been over a long time ago had it not been for the grace of God. People aren't a distraction. We need to see them the way God sees them. We need to love them the way he loves them. Our attitudes are everything. Even, even family, sometimes you can have some of the most annoying family members. You know? I'm just being honest here today. They're there for a reason. It's not always just for us to help them, but it's for them to grow us and, and it's for an opportunity to, for kingdom work to take place. And that isn't going to happen if our, if all I want to do is avoid these people and stay away from them and, and think bad of them. Nothing good's ever going to come of that. But if I see every person that comes into my life as a divine appointment by God, some really amazing things can happen this year. Third thing real quick I'd like to say is that we need to have a right attitude about life in general. Life is good. 
life is good. And I know there's a lot of bad things happening in the world. You can point to the crime rate and and uh, the economy and, you know, what's happening. Uh, boy, I'll tell you what, you want to see a scary scenario, just look at what's happening in Iraq. Well, I tell you what, I think that uh, what they call the nuclear clock that's <laughs> ticking toward doomsday, man, it's getting closer and closer with Iraq. These people got nukes. They got... Uh, missiles, and they are primed and ready to use them. We, we need to pray about that situation. But I don't care what happens or what doesn't happen. I'm here to tell you life is good. Life is beautiful. There have been some days in my life that that I have I've had just a beautiful day in the creation of God, and I just stunk it up with my lousy attitude. Down, I, I remember years ago, and this is going way back, I was in Vietnam, and I was on a riverboat going up the Dong Ha River. Beautiful, sunny day, gorgeous day. And I was down. I was so down. I, I was upset. I got a letter from home, and there was things I was upset about, and I was upset with uh, the skipper on my boat, and I was upset with this and that. And I had just so many things I was upset about. It was just, a, I mean, it was just a day when you just didn't feel fit to live. You know what I mean? Down. Then all of a sudden, I heard a very familiar sound over there, the whoosh sound of a mortar going up. And of course, you know what goes up also comes down. And we did too, so we all hit the deck and were laying flat and mortars started raining in and uh, bullets started flying and the, the kind of boat I was on, we weren't the ones who went there for the purpose of fighting. We were there for the purpose of running the materials and troops up and down the rivers and so usually if we got into a firefight, we fought just enough to get around the next bin and get out of it and get away and protect our cargo. So in about four or five minutes, it was all over. I had the strangest experience. All of a sudden, I saw that the sun was shining. I started laughing with a giddy kind of laughter. I thought, wow, life is good. I thought to myself, what on earth was that I was so upset about? It was nothing in the face of death, believe me. We give away some of the happiest days of our lives to stinking attitudes. God is a good God, and, and it all depends on your view of it. If every bad thing that comes your way, you, you accept it as something that God is a, at least allowed to be there for a reason, and that he's going to use it to work together for your good because you love him and are called according to your purpose, it changes your outlook on all of that. And when you take time to appreciate the good things, the little things, as a Christian man, I confess, I didn't enjoy my children enough when they were little. Just didn't do it. I was too busy working for the kingdom of God even. Didn't spend enough time with my kids. Didn't take time to appreciate who they were and what they did. I'm not saying I was a bad dad, but boy, it's just that part of my life I wish I could get back over again. I got little grandkids, and I'm telling you what, I adore them. They are awesome. Thank God that I'm finally slowing down and taking time to enjoy the people in my life and the good things in life. If you want to have a good attitude about this year, let me just throw something out to you real quick. Who do you think 
is winning in the battle between good and evil? God is. Our God is. He's winning and his kingdom is winning. And, and, and not only is he winning, but it's already been done. Saw a sign not long ago that said Jesus is coming in 2012. Guess what? Jesus already came. And he already said, he said, yeah, you'll have trials in this world. But he says, I have overcome the world. It's already been done. Our God is in control. I don't care who's running Washington or the capital of Iran, whatever that happens to be, or Iraq or anywhere else. Our God is on the throne, and when it's all said and done, it's going to play out exactly the way that he wants it to because he is an awesome God. And we can look forward with confidence to the future, and we can enjoy the life that we have knowing that there isn't anything that can happen to us that he isn't capable of handling. Fourth thing I want to talk about real quick, and that's our attitude toward God. How's our attitude toward God? Once again, I really haven't been looking at my scriptures, but I chose these because, because of the fact that I looked through those five verses and I don't see a bad attitude anywhere. I don't see one complaint. Having been justified by faith, we have peace. It's a guy that has peace, has grace. He stands. He's standing in hope of the glory of God. He says something really amazing in verse 3 where he says, but we also glory in tribulations. I don't think I've quite arrived there yet. But I'm working on it. Because I know we serve an awesome God. And he does some amazing things. I'm going to pray. I'm not quite done yet, but I just feel the need to pray. Father, Lord, I feel something awesome in my spirit right now, Lord. Because I know, I know with all my heart, our attitude is a, at least a small reflection of our faith. And our faith is what saves us. That's what this and many other scriptures says. Saved by faith. By faith, we have all these things that he's speaking of. I know that a bad attitude can destroy our faith. It can poison our spirit. Lord, I don't know how much time I have left or any of us have left, but I want my attitude to be the absolute best. And, and, and I've actually saved the best for last because, Lord, I want my attitude toward you to be the best that it can be. Because you're an awesome God. In Jesus' name I pray. Let me ask you a couple questions in closing here. What if we lived every moment as though God were all around us at all times. Think about that for a minute. What if every moment of every day I lived as though I was walking in the presence of God? Years ago, as I was pastoring up in Canton, there's a side door right about where those flags are that went down a sidewalk to uh, another building that was our fellowship hall. And I had just taught a Sunday school class out there, and I walked in that door, and I walked up on a platform, was going to put my Bible down, then go out and start greeting folks that were there for the morning worship service. And just when I was about halfway across the platform, I heard this tiny little voice scream from the back of the church, and he said, There he is! There's Jesus! 
And that was pretty astounding, man. I spun around. I wanted to see what was going on back there. And here's this little guy back there. He's pointing right at me. There he is. There's Jesus. I, you know, I felt pretty good about myself, but not that good. I'm not Jesus. So I figured I better get back there and straighten this little guy out. So I highballed it back there. And after having a discussion with him and his uncle who had brought him, this little guy who I don't think was churched very much, was told that God lives in the church and that if he went to church, he'd see Jesus. And when he saw this guy in a suit go walking across the platform, he just assumed I was the big guy. He was excited and I, you know, it was kind of sweet and laughing and all that sort of thing. But you know what? I got to thinking about that and what if every born-again believer came to church with the faith of that child, believing that when I get to church, Jesus is going to be there? Wow. Talk about rocking the house of God. But it's not just in church. What if we believed and lived every day as though he was right there with us? Do you think it would change the way we live, the way we talk? the decisions we make, the things we do. I know it would me. What if we lived as though nothing could happen to us that God doesn't allow for some good purpose? Do you realize that would take all of the fear out of life? Every bit of it. What if we lived as though our sins and failures we're really gone, covered by the blood, taken away from us as far as east is from west. That would mean a life with zero guilt, zero shame. Think of that. Wouldn't that be awesome? To this day, after all these years, I, I still have shame for things I did 40 years ago. But it's really under the blood. What if we lived as though the power of the Holy Spirit was within us, empowering us to do incredible things. We wouldn't be afraid to do anything. I can't count the times that fear has stopped me from stepping up, saying something that I felt the Holy Spirit wanted me to say, doing something the Spirit wanted me to do. Oh, don't do that. Well, they'll just think you're crazy and they will, you know, they won't really appreciate that. And, you know, you're just going to make a fool out of yourself and then you just sit there and you don't say it and you don't do it. Man, enough of that garbage. Our God is an awesome God, and he don't ask us to do things that just make us look stupid. He asks us to do things that are going to glorify him. I believe that there's a lot of ways we can designate churches by denomination or lack thereof or the... Uh, the race, the, uh, you know, our, our, where we are in the social standings, I guess, and probably, uh, economics might play in there and uh, all kinds of different ways we could divide up churches by size and number and all that sort of thing. But I would think probably the greatest distinction for a church would be a church that lived in the awareness of the presence and power of God. That, to me, is the greatest distinction that we can have. Not the name over the door, again, the denomination or affiliation or any of that kind of stuff, but people who are aware of the presence and the power of God because he promised when two or more are gathered together in my name, I'll be there in the midst.
I want, I want my attitude to change. Because I believe if my attitude becomes all that God wants it to be, I believe that not only are we going to live victorious Christian lives, but we are going to become Satan's worst nightmare. Instead of us waking up and worrying about what Satan's doing today, he's going to be waking up worrying about what we're doing today. There are many things this year that you and I have little, if any, control over. When it's all said and done, when you go to that voting booth, you're only one vote. (laughs) When it comes down to it, there's just a lot of things in life that we don't have a whole lot of control over. One thing you can control, and that's your attitude. How we respond to the truth of God's Word. How we respond to His presence and power in our life. How we respond to the people that... He brings into our life how we respond to ourself. Don't tear yourself up. You're a, a beautiful creation of God. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, I thank you today so much for your word, which is true. And I, Lord, I just pray today. I, I believe with all my heart you've laid this message on my heart for us here today, Lord. There are people here today that need to know this truth and sometimes we think we just can't help our attitude. It is what it is and there's nothing we can do about it, but that's not true. We can make choices about what we believe and about what we think and about how we feel. And Lord, I pray that you're going to help us to see ourselves the way that you see us. You believe in us. Even though we may not believe in ourselves, you believe in us. You loved us so much you sent your only begotten son to die. And if we were the only one on planet earth, you'd have done it just for us. Help us, Lord, to see other people the way you see them. You don't just see them as troublemakers and bad people, but, Lord, you see them as people that just need you. You see their potential. You see the good in them. You see the the wonderful things they could be doing if they were a part of your kingdom. You love them and Lord, I pray you'll help us to love them and feel towards them the way that you do. Help us, Lord, to have a good attitude about life. I don't care how much money we have in the bank or what kind of car we drive or what we have or don't have or what's going on in our life or what our relationships are like or anything else, Lord. I believe our attitude can change literally all of that. We can have joy. We can have peace like our author in Romans uh, had, the Apostle Paul. He'd learn to be content in all situations. Lord, I pray that you're going to help us to arrive at that place as well. Because life really is good. God, forgive us those, those days that we felt that life just wasn't even worth living. Lord, most of all, help us with our attitude towards you. Because you are God, and you are an awesome God, and you're the greatest. I pray, Lord, that our attitude toward you this year is going to be one of absolute faith in you, knowing that as long as our life is in your hands, Lord, that there is nothing can come against us that we can't handle with you. Lord, I just pray that you'll help us to do the right thing in all these areas and many more. In Jesus' name I pray. And with heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment longer, as we conclude today, I just, I'd like to take a moment to ask real quick if there's any person here 
Maybe you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior. And I want you to know today you can know him. Easy. He stands ready to minister salvation to anybody here that would say, Pastor, I don't know Jesus. I've never prayed and asked him to be my Lord and Savior. I've, maybe you've known him and you've gotten away from him. You just don't know that everything's right between you and him today and you want it to be. Let me pray for you real quick if you raise your hand. Anybody real quick. You can come forward if you like. I hope you do. If not, I'll still pray for you, whether you're back there or here. Anybody, real quick, not sure your salvation, most important question I ask. Hopefully everybody here today knows Jesus is Lord. I would also ask today, if you're here today and you would say, well, Pastor, you know, I believe I'm a Christian, but I think I'm kind of wrestling with my attitude too. Could be one of the things I mentioned or something that I didn't even get close to today, but God spoke to you about that. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Our words and attitudes are very, very powerful in our life. If you're wrestling with that, would you raise your hand with me and say, I want prayer today? Yes, or many. God bless you. Yes, thank you. God bless you. I don't know, Pastor or Brother Lenny, how you conclude, but let me say we could maybe sing a song and if folks want to come, anybody wants to come down for prayer, I know there's a lot of people in this church know how to pray. They'd love to pray with you. And we sing a quick song, say a prayer for those who want prayed for, and we'll be finished.